Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Yeah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat that and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, spin. But I burst out laughing about <laughs> So it's just me and you today, um, Lee. Poor Niall rang me from Nina Hospital yesterday after Laura were beaten in the championship. So not only was he beaten in the championship, he rings me from hospital. He ruptured his AC. Uh, is AC joint in your shoulder? He did his shoulder anyways. That's basically um, it. So he has to go for an MRI uh, scan. Absolutely nothing worse. My heart went out to him yesterday, Lee. Like, I mean, you go championship morning, you're looking forward to the game. Um, you know, you, you're looking forward to the night out after. Let's be honest, it's club, it's club hurling or club football, and you end up in dirty gear, sitting in a hospital, waiting on a waiting on an extra, thinking, "How the hell did <laughs> how the hell did this happen?" Yeah, no, it's it's every player's worst nightmare, isn't it? Um, last week on the show, we were talking about ACLs and rupturing your knee and stuff. So as soon as you texted me last night to say that he was injured, I feared the worst. I thought we jinxed him, and it was really <laughs> bad. Now his shoulder, that's. That's not a nice one either, and he's a journalist, and it's his taping shoulder, so he'll maybe get out of work for a little while. Is is the only bright side for him? But no, if, you know when it rains, it pours, and like to lose out in the rain you know, with the injury, you're in A and E, and everyone else is maybe drowning their sorrows. And I'm pretty sure that's his season probably ended. Yeah, well, he's getting the MRI. I want to see the results of this MRI because he could be making a bigger deal out of this than, you know, we. I, I don't know what Niles like with injuries. He could be making a bigger deal out of it. Well, I'll study the MRI and we'll be able to make a decision on Niles' fitness. Um, he might be back on Thursday. He can't drive. He's going to get the bus up. Anyways, the match was on television yesterday. Briefly, um, a handy win at home to Nagel. There's not too much uh, to say on this match. Jeez, it was, you know, it's a, it's a first round club match. No huge intensity. An easy win for, for Briefy. Um, the interesting part really about yesterday was Aidan O'Shea and Rob Henley were interviewed after the game on TG Catter and first of all you'd probably say fair play to both of them um, for showing their faces in front of the cameras because a lot of people would probably just have said here look get someone else to do it I'm okay I'm going to keep the head down but they didn't Um, 
Aidan O'Shea was asked a very stupid question. I have to say it by Michal O'Donnell and I don't want to... Michal O'Donnell doesn't usually ask silly questions like that, but Jesus, here's the question he asked. <laughs> like, Michal Do- O'Donnell know anything about the internal politics of club football. Um, he said, the county boys would be excused if you decided you weren't ready. Uh, was there a question you weren't going to start today? He was talking about the four county boys. Like, I mean, under what circumstances can a county player come back after the county season and say, sorry, lads, to the club lads, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for this first round match. Like, I mean, there'd be absolute war. No, absolutely. I mean, apart from injury, obviously, uh, there, there is no, under no circumstances because like, from the club's perspective, you know, they're waiting really patiently on you coming back. Yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of uh, county players miss the league and things like that. So they're eyeing up their championship date. They have it early. They're trying to, to prep and, and make preparations and you're maybe not there training and you're not there in the matches. So, no, they're they're going to be thrown in the deep end straight away. To be fair to them, and I, I bet they want to be as well. Like I, I'm sure, I can't imagine Aidan O'Shea saying, "No, I'm still tired from a couple of weeks ago or whatever." I reckon, especially because Mayo lost, you know, they want to get out there, get a win, um, get the feel of a football again, and and feel like normal again. You know, after such a such a hard defeat to take. Yeah, exactly. In fairness to Michal, um, Aidan O'Shea and Matthew Rand, they weren't picked to start. They were, the, you know, there was a bit of messing going on with the team. So maybe this is where the kind of question, but trust me, Michal, no county player will ever say they're, t- they're too tired to go back um, into the club. Aidan O'Shea actually confirmed what we were saying last Thursday, Ali, that he went off the grid for two weeks. That's what we were saying. Like, I mean, this whole hullabaloo and a lot of crying in Mayo from the county board, oh, leave our players alone. Players just played an all Ireland final. What a few Muppets online are saying about them, I think is so far down their list of priorities. And Aidan O'Shea obviously confirmed it. He said, I've been off the grid for the last couple of weeks. When you lose, everything's wrong. When you win, everything is right. And, you know, he's mature enough to, you know, not get too sidetracked by his name trending, you know, from a load of people sitting in front of their computers while he's out, you know, with his teammates, you know, in a pub somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he also went on to say that, like, whether they win or lose, you know, it, it makes a little difference to him, you know, what people are saying in the media and yeah. things like that. But no, it does. It confirms everything we said, like, and it, and it just confirms, like, the type of character he is. And it sort of made me think maybe one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why he gets such a hard time and why media, some pundits in particular, um, just can't warm to him is because he never raises to it. You know, he, he'll never retweet someone on Twitter and, and give it back or go back to the media and say such and such as is so wrong and I am a good player and all you know he just he just yeah. takes it or well he doesn't take it he just ignores it and focuses on himself and goes on and it's really infuriating when you're behind a keyboard arguing with yourself you know <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true that's true he just doesn't he doesn't rise to it at all Rob Henley was interviewed then and I, I have to pick a few uh, holes in this um, interview from Rob. Number one, he watched the match back twice, which I thought was an incredible thing already that he's been back watching it. Um, he said this week, or he was talking about getting over the loss or whatever. He says the first week is a bit of a blur. You're just trying to avoid people a little bit. This week, I watched the game back a couple of times, took a few learnings from it. We just have to take the positives from it. Now, I'm sorry, Rob, but you're not going to take the positives from that all-around final. You have to take the negatives from that all-around final and learn from the negatives. There's so much... You won't learn if you're just going to take positives from that all-around final. That is not an all-around final that too many positives came out of. I'm, I'm surprised. Like, I, I I understand people who are just positive and, you know, any negative... You know this kind of thing, I want to block out the negativity and focus on the positives. But there comes a point where, you know, Jesus... You have to look at what went wrong in that final. You have to learn. Why did this happen? And if they're just looking for positives out of losses, how will they ever learn? 
Yeah, I mean, doing my very best to avoid uh, a cliche here, but like you do learn more from losing than you do from winning. I mean, that's just a fact because there's more to improve on. Um, so that's that's definitely he needs to be a lot more logical in his uh, analysis of it. And I did think it was surprising that he'd watched it twice. That must have been a hard watch. And yeah. then to go back and do it to yourself again, you know, that second time, yeah. to be fair. Um, maybe it took two times before he found that many positives, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because the, <laughs> the first time he didn't get enough. Um, but no, like, you're absolutely right. You've got to be really critical. I, I think it's, it's too soon as well. I mean, Mayo fans don't want to hear that. I don't think they want to hear that you're in any way happy with that you know it was a hard defeat to take and it's supposed to be a hard defeat to take and so you just you know uh, fans expect you just to to get on with it but they want to I feel like fans they want to know that you're hurt as well you know we're hurting and you're hurting and we're in this together kind of thing I don't know if they'd be too thrilled to hear that like oh there was positives to take from it and it's all it's all well and good well that's it and then he went on and almost spoke directly to Mayo fans and he says if I was talking to Mayo supporters I'd say we're very lucky we're in a privileged position in Mayo and we should probably appreciate that a bit more and broadly I would agree with that like most counties would love to be in Mayo's situation like thrilling thrilling wins getting to the end of the, the season pretty much every year for the last 10 years in massively exciting games roller coaster ride for their supporters so in general I would agree with Rob that Mayo supporters should appreciate what that team gives them. And I think they do. Like, I mean, Jesus, Mayo fans are very appreciative of the team. They're very proud of their team. But, like, I mean, this is two weeks after losing an All-Ireland that they should have won. A lot of Mayo fans are pissed awfully. And they're right to be pissed off. And it's going to take more than two weeks for them to start going, oh, well, I appreciate everything. They were favoured. This is the one they really had to win, as far as I'm concerned. And they didn't win it. And telling Mayo fans that they need to appreciate the fact that they get the finals and let them down, uh, you know, I don't think he's reading the room too well. And again, Rob Henley, it's not against Rob at all. He seems like a very outgoing and clearly a very positive person. And that's fine. I'm more of a glass half empty type of person. And that's fine as well. But he's not reading the room, I don't think. And I think Mayo fans will need a lot longer before they start being able to look, you know, broadly at what that, you know, what the team is giving them. Yeah, I am. I'm going to have to pull you on the Mayo should have won just as a Jerome fan. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we were pretty fully confident well, they were fav- to, well, to, they, to But I do understand, favorite. like, yeah, yeah, no, completely. And, you know, they'd never played Jerome in a final, so there was no baggage there, you yeah. know, as there was against, like, well, all the Dublin losses and things. They'd finally got over the line against Dublin. It just took that last little push against Jerome, who, they, you know, they've been very successful against in, in recent years in semifinals and quarterfinals, but... Uh, I do agree with Robbie. Is correct. Uh, it's just the timing that seems off more than anything. I always remember Mickey Hart saying, because um, a journalist had put it to him about uh, Mayo's lack of success, and he said, "Well, that, I mean, that's down to your perspective." I would say Mayo are an incredibly successful team, one of the most successful counties about, you know, because of because they win, they only lose one game a year typically, and it just happens to be the final, <laughs> um, which is which is hard to take. But yeah, at their, there's a time and a place. Um, Maybe he was one of the ones that was subjected to the abuse and he's taken it a little bit more partially yeah. than the other ones. And he, and he really wanted to get it off his chest and he's talking to someone in particular or something in particular that maybe I've missed. You, you don't really know, but the time and definitely seems strange. I just think, you know, especially because his club just got a win. You know, he really could have just 
spinned every question back to like, look, we're here now. That was a disappointment in the past, but I'm all about the club and I'm all about moving forward. And we'll talk, you know, get into Mayo again next year. The, the, I, th- I think it was Joe Brawley. Joe Brawley always makes these points about Mayo, but it's the, something I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, think about a little bit more is the psyche in Mayo. And win or lose, those players are heroes. And let's be positive about this team, even if they lose in All-Ireland. And I think that was the case because they were coming up against the double best um, arguably the best team of all time and they were they, they, you know they, Jesus like they put it up to Dublin heroically but like I suppose mm-hmm. when you're a player and you lose an All-Ireland final that you deserve that you, that you are going in as favourites to, like it was a 50-50 game we were saying on the show but you kind of deserve a backlash for a couple of months like the Kerry lads lost to Tyrone like I mean they're being absolutely savage down in Kerry and you don't see the Kerry County Board releasing statements saying leave these players alone no they're the standards so like I mean when, when, when the attitude in Mayo is oh we'll, we'll back these lads no matter what no matter how, how they let us down do players feel accountability and this is the one time that they have gotten the, the, not all supporters but some supporters have turned against them and the Mayo County Board's releasing a statement like they're not even capable of, of you know riding out this criticism for a little while do you know what I mean I think I, I, I don't know I think I think a bit of a backlash in your own county for a loss a, a disappointing loss is absolutely no harm on the players yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be expecting it as well. It's not their first loss, as you say, but um, there definitely was that whole Dublin kind of saved them a little bit in terms of their reputation um, because they were up against this Dublin and all the money and the six in a row. And sure, no one was going to beat them. If this was any other era or decade, Mayo would be have two or three All-Irelands with this team. Um, but the fact of the matter is they don't, you know, they didn't get over the line and then they got this one opportunity the, over the line against Dublin, up against the Tyrone team who hadn't been in a final well since 2018. Um, new management and all the rest of it. You know, there was loads of opportunities to try to, to seize when it came to that match, and they just didn't. They did fail. Um, and this time, this is probably the worst failure in all other All Irelands. Back, maybe going back two thousand and with the Donegal game, maybe it was just another sort of a similar situation. But they, that had come up against a very difficult style of football that was kind of unprecedented at the time. So yeah, I do. I think. I mean, <laughs> it depends what criticism we can sit and say that like uh, they deserve all this criticism, and then someone sends us this awful tweet about people's families and stuff. But I know what you mean in terms of like, yeah, backlash. People need to react. They need to say, no, that wasn't good enough. I do expect more from my county and these players. And um, I expect them to take these opportunities because we've entrusted these players with it, with this, this job. Uh, and they ultimately failed. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing I hated more when I'd lose a game that you'd be expected to win is to be, to be plum-assed and to be told, you know, well done. Like, you'd shrug away from someone saying well done. You'd be just so kind of disappointed. Another club result, a few more club results here that are interesting. Ballymun only drew with Scarries, um, which is a very interesting uh, result. It's only it's only group stages in Dublin as well, so you don't have to read a huge amount into it. But Ballymun were, out Dean Ro- were without Dean Rock, John Small, Evan Comerford, Philly McMahon and Paddy Small. Um, and they're all injured would you believe which is which is a weird one Dean Rock will be back next week and, and Paddy Small um, we're talking about Michal O'Donnell's question about the club players you know taking a rest to come back to the club that's not the case here despite it being a very long list of of uh, of intercounty players another interesting one in Dublin was Kilmacud beat St Vincent's and that's not, it's not that interesting in itself Vincent's are on the slide as we know um, still depending on Mossy Quinn Right, so Mossy Quinn scored 1-4 out of 2-7. The final score was 115 to 2-7. I think uh, Kilmacud won by five points in the end. Mossy's 40, um, Lee. Like, I mean, to be 40 years of age 
and to be scoring 1-4 out of 2-7 more than half your size total I know he's on the freeze but he scored 1-1 from play and one of his frees he won that free himself so he's getting 1-2 from play um, kind of at 40 years of age in Dublin club football which is a very very high, high standard of football it's phenomenal achievement really mm, Well it's, it's testament to Mossy and his um, his determination and resilience and uh, his athleticism as well he must really look after himself in terms of diet and, yeah. and conditioning and stuff but uh, it's not a good sign for his club, that's for sure. No. I mean, like when you're that reliant on, because how long have they been reliant on him now? I mean, it's like you're spanning like three decades more, probably. I'm sure he broke onto the team quite young. Um, definitely, definitely not a not a good luck uh, on their behalf. But I mean, like these older players, they're all making comebacks. You've got the boots back on yourself, so who knows? Are you going to do a Mossy Quinn next season? Yeah, I think I'm. See, the thing about Mossy Quinn was Mossy Quinn was never fast. Mossy Quinn used his accuracy and his brain. And, you know, the fact he's slowing down a bit probably doesn't affect his game an awful lot. My game was 90% based on speed and being elusive and hard to mark. Now I'm not fast anymore. So I'm basically left with nothing. I'm a junior B <laughs> I'm a junior B player for that reason. That when you lose your pace and your whole, you know, strength was pace and kind of trickery and fitness, well, you're, a pretty, sh- you're pretty much a shit junior B player then. And that's it. So, like, I mean, I just have to live with that. Another one was Owen Kelly, who scored 12 points for Mulnahon. He's 39. He got eight from uh, play and four frees. Um, Debbie Tumivara at the weekend. I just find it incredible that these fellas, again, Owen Kelly, like accuracy. These lads, these fellas who are just lethal accurate, you know, can stay playing because you'll just stand out of a crowd and, you know, get a pop pass or whatever maybe and stick it over the bar. So, you know, one 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 player in that Kilmacud Croaks uh, game that, you know, he's pretty accurate, but he relies on speed as well as Paul Mannion. He got, he got eight points. Uh, three from play a few spectacular ones as well uh, by all accounts like I don't know what Desi Farrell is going to do to get him back because I think Desi Farrell is the reason that Paul Mannion isn't in there so other than asking some Kilmacook Croak selector to come in on board and try to get in to back in with Paul Mannion that way I don't know, I'm not sure how Desi can get Paul Mannion back Yeah I mean I, I don't really know the ins and outs or if there was like an official fallout and stuff I know he wasn't in, in favour uh, with Desi Farrell in terms of starting but you really notice the difference this year in terms of their substitutes and stuff you know like last in 2020 when they, if you subbed off Dean Rock you were bringing on a player who was nearly as good which was just absolutely insane to think um, how could you sort of go wrong but uh, it was definitely um, it sort of exposed them a little bit this year with them players leaving and Paul Mannion being so young in the prime of his career like they just need him back I, I, I don't know do you think maybe now that he's seen the whole Dublin setup and, and he, the it would be a big deal again for Dublin to come back and actually win the All-Ireland. You know, it, it, we talked a little bit like monotonous and it could get a bit boring maybe to see him training and trying to achieve this goal. Now now they're maybe not the favourites. They probably will be favourites, but, you know, in terms of standing, they're not the reigning champions. So maybe that alone would be the allure for Paul Mannion to come back. Yeah, it might. It might kind of redemption. But like, I mean, if Paul, I'd say Paul Mannion's just like, I'm not enjoying it if I'm not starting. I don't think Paul Mannion's the type of fella who's happy just to run in for the last 15 minutes. Um, like he said, he's in his prime. And for me, after David Clifford, he's the best number 13 in the country. So it's outrageous that he's not starting uh, for Dublin. So for that reason, I'm not sure he'll go back in under Desi unless, I don't know, I'm only guessing. I could be completely wrong on him being pissed off being a sub. We know subs' attitudes is, is different to when I played. But I don't know. Him walking away, um, I don't know. May, maybe 
Desi just needs to, well, he needs to ring him, obviously, and maybe he needs to promise him a start. And that's it. Paddy Small is out on the wing now anyway. So, like, I mean, there is that 13 jersey. Costello's not a natural in that corner. So, like, that 13 jersey is there for him. Um, if I was Desi, I'd be doing anything it takes um, to get to get him back. Talking about old older players uh, playing well, it was Martin Shovlin. This was last week. He played last week in the championship. He came on as a sub in an intermediate match at 60 years of age. Absolutely incredible stuff. He's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit before your time, uh, Lee, Martin Shovlin. He's 61. <laughs> He's 61 now. Uh, in Waterford, Mount Sion nearly beat Ballygunner. Uh, they lost by two points. Interesting here, there was a point between them in injury time. Mount Sion, there was, Ballygunner were leading by a point. Mount Sion were, uh, were through for a guaranteed point and Alan Kerwin went for a goal and put it wide. And Ballygunner got another point and put two in it and ended up winning by two. Like, I mean, for me, he takes the right option there, Lee. Like, you're underdogs, you're a point down in injury time. That goal, if that goes in, that game's, you know, the game's over. Whereas if it's a point, it's a draw, Ballygunner still have a chance to beat you anyway. So for me, he, he took, without having seen it, might see it on TG Cahar tonight, to go for the juggler a point down as an underdog, you pretty much have to do it. Yeah, you, you, you got to go for the jugular, to be fair. Um, look, it's a heartbreaking moment, too, because, uh, you know, hero and villain and maybe just a, a couple of inches is the, is the difference between that, you know. Um, he could have got the point and then it would have been equalised and maybe would have went into more extra time and stuff. But, like, it, w- w- they haven't lost a game or a championship game, at least, or they're the reigning champions in, like, eight years, the last eight in a row or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you just got a sense. They must have sensed blood, you know, and the, the, the opportunity is just there. I mean... They know it's now or never, and you just had to go for it. And it was just so unfortunate that it that it flashed wide. Um, it feel it feel for him, so I do. But uh, he, he did go for the right decision, and I hope people don't really blame him for that. Stephen Stephen O'Keefe said it was only about a foot wide. So, like, I mean, that was the winning and losing of the game. It's the first time since 2018. They're going for eight in a row this year. It's the first time since 2018. Um, it was a quarter final with Rowan Moore that any team in Waterford came within a score of Ballygunner. Like, I mean, you know, their manager after the game, Darrow Sullivan, says that's the tightest game we've been in a long, in a long, long time. We're delighted we've come out of the right side of it because it could could very easy we could very easily have panicked. Some of the scores toward the end of the game uh, were very composed. Ballygunner need closer games. The Waterford Championship need closer games. Um, you know, so this is kind of a, a win-win for everyone. Ballygunner floating through that championship is no good for them in the Munster Club. Like, I mean, it's a waste of their time because they're not tested. Like, one team dominating is bad enough, but if they're dominating and winning the games easy, you know, it's just a disastrous championship. Yeah, because, it, I mean, it completely eliminates even just that, the promise of hope. You know, even like, yeah, they're winning, but God, didn't we get close last year? Maybe if we just fix one or two things here um, and you, you have to like use that hope and cling to it and bring it that, you know, to give you the energy to go again next season. Um, but yeah, yeah, they were just demolishing teams back and forth. And, it, you know, it's not the first time. Like, I'm always thinking of like, like Cross McLean, I suppose. They're, they're the obvious example um, of a, a dominant uh, club team uh, in Armagh. They've got like 45 titles and they won God knows how many in a row between the 90s and uh, the 2000s and the noughties. Um it does make it boring. Like, I mean, for me, even as, as a neutral in these sort of, uh, these counties, and when you're looking up club scores and all, you're not really interested in that because there's nothing going to be surprising anyway at the end of the day. So, and that's for me, outside the county, so you can only imagine what it's like coming up against them. Do you think people just celebrate getting to the final because it's nearly the best you can hope for? Well, it kind of is. Port Leash won nine in a row in Leash, then lost 
the 10 in a row and then won 3 in a row so they won like 12 of 13 look it is boring even for Port Leash like look at Dublin in the Leinster Championship most Dublin fans wouldn't even be celebrating Leinster titles now whereas if some you know if another county won a provincial you know you could be celebrating for a week after it's uh, you know it's it's no good for anybody and and in the case of of Leash nobody really stepped up to Port, Port Leash's level Port Leash aren't winning them now because Port Leash have come back down, you know, so Port Harlington probably the mm-hmm. dominant, going to be the dominant team um, in Leash now. Sticking with the hurling, talking of Rowan Moore, they, they have reached the county final for the first time in 31 years. Uh, they beat Dungarvan, so it's Peter Queeley. He's managed them to the county final. He's managed four different clubs. They're the fourth uh, club he's managed to the county final. So that, that final's on next weekend. So at least we have a county final to look forward to um, rather than a first round match in on, on TG Cahar. Um I was looking at this in the Kerry Championship. Temple No beat Dr. Crokes, which would be a bit of a surprise to score two goals in the first two minutes. Um, ended up beating them. I was calling this the group of debt because it has Temple No in it, it has Dr. Crokes in it, it has Kenmare Shamrocks in it and it has Spa. Well, Spa are only up from Intermediate, but they beat Kenmare Shamrocks, which was a big a big shock. And then I looked at the other group and it has Austin Stacks, Killarney Legion, Dingle and Kearns O'Reilly. So, like, I mean, there's two group of debts uh, because in the club championship in Kerry, obviously, there's only eight senior teams. So they're all bloody strong, um, serious teams. So it makes for a pretty... Um, a pretty exciting championship. Spa have Dara Minahan. They're only up. Like I was saying, that's a that's a huge uh, a huge win for for Kenmare Shamrock. It's always interesting with the Kerry Championship um, when they narrow it down to eight teams. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. They obviously extended with divisional teams then for for another club championship. At least it avoids it, it avoids those early one sided matches. I suppose Lee, like other count, like sixteen. You know, you'll you'll pretty much be able to handpick the top two in the four in the four groups. And then you get to your final, you know, eight. Kerry just started with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a Kerry thing, isn't it? Because like, they're all about the prestige of football and the best be the best. And like they treat it, they're called the kingdom, you know, because you know, it's royalty when you're good at football there. And that, that's, the, <laughs> that's where they're at. So they, they pick this, like, they want the elite of the elite. It must be so, like, like Spa winning the intermediate last year. That must be some achievement because just the amount of teams that are in them, lower divisions. So to claim out of them must be really, really difficult. And then... Just staying in that in that senior league would be a challenge in itself, but I think that's their first ever senior win. Did I read yeah, that somewhere? Yeah, first time they've ever won at senior. Yeah, they must must okay. have been must have been up and going. But Spa winning the intermediate are the ninth best team in Kerry, which means they're probably better than twenty five county champions in other in other counties. You know, wouldn't be far off that. Um, yeah. You know, the standard they've eight senior teams, sixteen intermediate, and sixteen uh, premier junior teams. Because I was looking at this, I was tweeting about this earlier. David Clifford scored one nine um, as Fossa beat Saint uh, Saint Michael's. File more three thirteen to one fifteen. He scored one nine. It was in the junior championship, and I was joking that me and David Clifford play the same level of football. We're both juniors, but like I mean, if you've only got six, if you've only got eight seniors, sixteen intermediate, and sixteen premier junior, they would be one of the top premier junior. You know, it would be a strong intermediate team probably yeah. in another county. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, like, I don't think it's junior football, like. Like, <laughs> like I my play. junior football, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like we both play. We're both the same level as David Clifford. Um, no, I mean, it, it must be so daunting too. Like if you are one of them them lower teams and you're going up and you know you're up against Hottie Clifford and um, David Clifford, like that must be. You know, like maybe 
will be best forward in in your in your county and in, in the country probably. And then Potty Clifford, like what a season he's had! It, it must be so demoralizing just seeing them. And they obviously just do what they want. Like the fact that they move Potty Clifford in the midfield because in club football and at that level, and it's like you say, it really is more like an intermediate level, but still. You know they're they're above that obviously, yeah. Um, so they bring him into midfield because they just need to get get Potty Clifford the ball, get his hands on the ball. He'll run all day and bring it forward. And they even bring was should, uh, David Clifford centre half forward, yeah, than in the full centre forward, forward like. yeah, yeah. So even then, that was to bring him into the game more. You know, like let's get um, our best players get their uh, hands on the ball and and see what they can do. And and they did okay. Yeah, they definitely did. Well, like I mean, even like okay, you, you, it's junior football. It's Premier Junior. And we'd say, okay, we're qualified and say, right, it's not junior like we know it or that would be a junior A or junior B. It'd be more of an intermediate level. But even an intermediate centre-back, an intermediate centre-back at the end of the day has to mark David Clifford in a club game and the midfielder has to mark Paddy. Like, I mean, Howard, I'd love to go down. Like, I mean, these fellas must be just running the muck. I'd be nearly the manager coming into David after scoring one nine, say, David, we need more out of you, mate. Yeah, I mean, they must just concede it um, in their heads. It's like, okay, if you keep them too... Maybe they told him, like, if you keep him to below 110 today, then you've done an accident job. <laughs> and he can go away today, at least thinking, you know, that he's got some sort of a win, like, in a, in a moral sense. Um, because, like, you're not going to keep him that quiet. Uh, they're obviously going to try to get the ball to him. He's, he's the key man. And uh, it doesn't, even if they weren't trying to, he's going to get it himself. You know, I, I, I can only imagine that, by and large, he does what he wants in them games. Um, and we know we say that it's intermediate and stuff, but, like, when you're at his level... Uh, it's it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We see East Kerry on TG Cahir in the in the other championship. Can we please see a Fossa junior game on TG Cahir sometime and get a look at this um, in action? Some poor number six trying to mark David Clifford at, um, at that level. Another bit of news here that I was looking at is the GE are giving special briefings. I want to keep going on about this um, championship restructure that's coming up on the 22nd or the 23rd of October thinking of the October the 22nd or 23rd I think it's the 23rd that we're basically the new championship structure is going to be voted on and considering Jim McGuinness um, had it so kind of wrong and the way he if Jim McGuinness wanted to sell you know his his understanding of it to a to a to a, a congress delegate and I would go in and sell my version of it to another congress delegate Mine would be the real version of it. They would have two completely different kind of versions of what we're actually dealing with here, you know. So I think the GEA have have identified the fact that maybe there's people out there that don't fully understand what these, you know, different structures potentially could be and the advantages of them and why, you know, why they're they're even up for debate at all. Um, I think they've spoken to Leinster and Connacht. Um, they're speaking with... Uh, the, 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 they're speaking with Ulster as well ahead of the ahead of the the, the special congress. But County Board, Tyrone County Board Chairman Michael Kerr, and this is understandable. Again, he says when you look at it, there's no doubt that it's the most competitive of the provincial championships. He's obviously talking about the Ulster Championship. I think it's worth pointing out that the championship has served this province well for many many years. So why would you want to do away with it? I think it's important that it's retained as is very much part of the the province's GA fabric. And the great news for for you, Michael Kerr, is that this league-based championship does not get rid of the Ulster Championship at all. And this needs to be pointed out. You keep your Ulster Championship. The Ulster Council keeps control of the Ulster Championship. It's just pulled out from the All-Ireland Series. So, like, I mean... When 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 Michael Kerr says that, like you you wonder does he understand what it is, you know, or maybe he's thinking of the other provincial um, structure which pulls pulls counties from other provinces and is a total kind of mess, uh, Lee. 
But if I was answering Michael Carroll, I'm sure when the GEA give them the briefing, they'll explain to him, you keep your Ulster Championship. Nothing really changes in the whole structure of the season. It's just it's just moved around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, I think they are right to give these briefings because, like, the biggest myth about communication is is the illusion that it's actually taking place. You know, and, and it's all well and good saying, "Oh, we have these proposals and there's changes and stuff." But if in counties are in any way unsure of what it is they're voting for, then they'll just stick to what they know because it's safer. You'll just revert to type and, and be like, "No, no, no, don't change anything." Then because it's the fear of it being worse is as always um, always outweighs, you know, what we've already got because we're used to what we've already got. So, like in terms of Tyrone, like yeah, I mean that, that provisional championship it's so important and it's important to Tyrone and it means the world to like Tyrone supporters and Donegal supporters and things, you know, to, to win that. So, it, it, highlighting how that it's actually staying is absolutely key to that. It may be played in like March or something. That, that I suppose that'd be slightly a different situation and. See, people keep comparing it to the Mechanic Cup or, or whatever else, and that's nearly doing it more damage. You've got to be careful with your words because, like, we're not saying it is a Mechanic Cup. You know, it's still the Ulster Championship. Yeah. It's, and it's it's knockout football and there's the Cup. You'll get your Ulster medal and nothing will change in terms of its history and that Drone won it in 2021 and, say, Donegal win it next year. Like, that, that's they're not the first team to win this new trophy. It's no. the same trophy. The Ulster you know, that all yeah. has to be made. Yeah, exactly. As, as long as that's all underlying, made clear, then I don't really understand what what the real issue can be. I understand that like winning Ulster, then that, that gets you your spot in your quarter final or your semi final, uh, depending um, on the structure. But like and nowadays, it'll, and with this new plan, that'll have no bearing on, on your semi final and stuff. But I mean, that's that. I think that's a small sacrifice to make um, for the sake of the GAA as a whole and everyone getting more football and getting this league-based championship where you, you still go. Because it's still good momentum. Uh, if you've won an Ulster, that Ulster championship, I reckon you're going into that league championship campaign on pretty good form, you know, feeling really confident and and um, up for it and, and ready. Like, I mean, it's, it's definitely the best of a situation, but yeah, communication is absolutely vital. It, it is. And like, I mean, the, the idea that you would compare it to a McKenna Cup, which is played like in, you know, the very first week of January, just after Christmas, players aren't fit. You know, this will be in March after a full six weeks pre-season starting on January the 1st and you're primed and ready to go. You know, this is an Ulster Championship. I think one thing they could have potentially done was the Ulster champions start the league-based championship with a point on the board. You know, and that point could be the difference between potentially qualifying for knockout and not, or potentially finishing first in the group and avoiding a, a preliminary quarter-final, you know, or, or, or going straight into the All-Ireland semi-finals mm-hmm. or whatever way they're doing it, that that would keep that prestige. And, you know, if, 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 if some people are worried about that, that would be the answer and say, look... You want one point. We're not going. You don't even have to mess with scoring difference or head to heads. That one point could be the difference level on points. You know, to give teams more of a a reason not to do what Jim McGuinness is worried about, and that is not taking the Ulster Championship as seriously as they would. Even though I think they will, anyways, because at the end of the day, like I said last week, you can only win two cups all year. You want to throw away the chance of winning one yeah. for the off chance that you might win the big one. You know, you want to, you want to win something during the year. So I do think, regardless of the extra point, I think teams are going to want to win their provincial championships. Like, uh, why would they not? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I think so as well. I, I think it'll be as important as ever. Um, like if Cavan had done what they did last season, say next season in this new uh, structure and stuff, I don't think anyone would be saying, oh, that's because of the new structure. They still went up against the same teams. They went up against, you know, with the same quality uh, and they performed all the things that they had to perform. And, um, 
I don't. I, I like that one point idea because um, the, then there would be a connection at least between the two, and, yeah. and there is some benefit to it. And yeah. you get into the to the league based championship with uh, uh, with some sort of advantage on, on the basis of it too. And um, not least, you know, the importance of winning a trophy, getting that under your belt. Like always, like Roy Geller was talking about, like why they chose to play that league final. You know, they didn't have to play it, but he thought it was important that Derry got a trophy. They got to climb up and get their medals and and play in a final based situation you know and get used to that and he thought that'd be really good preparation for for the championship you know because because there is importance to winning trophies and, and competing and getting good runs and stuff especially before championship you want as much football as you can before championship and um, this is just another way of doing it I, I think i do think once once it's explained if it's explained well because you don't know who the gaa is going to do the explaining and and which proposal they're really backing because, yeah you know there's there could be issues there in that regard but um yeah, I mean, if, if it's explained correctly, as, as you know, we're trying to do here, um, keeping that Ulster Championship, provisional championships in general, will all still be there. Uh, they just might not have the same connection to the to the league-based championship in the end. And then everyone gets more football at the end of it, and they play more competitive football as well. Yeah. yeah we won't know until we really see it, and then we can say, see, this is what we mean. But yeah, uh, an explanation and communication is by far the most important thing going forward. Exactly. Send me around to individual county boards. I'll get this over the line. I'll sell this to them. Like a very modest fee is all I'll charge uh, as charge to do this. Just, uh, you know, very modest expenses fee. A bit like a uh, Mick O'Dwyer expenses. That's probably, that's all I, I'd, I'd ask for. Anthony Daly has been talking about four goals, for four, point, four points for a goal in hurling. Now, he's on the RT uh, GA podcast. He says, maybe you could bring that in. He's complicated a little bit now, Dalo has. He's saying that the first goal is worth three, but any subsequent goals is worth four. I don't know why he... I don't, I don't understand the, the logic or the basis of why he wants to say that without having... Any subsequent goal is worth four points after the first goal. He said it might be an interesting way for a team to push on and keep going for goals and keep trying to create goal chances. You look at the difference in soccer now when you get three points for a win. Um, in you know Previously it was two. Like that's, that's, you're not comparing the same thing um, I don't think like teams are regularly scoring 30 plus uh, points maybe s- some people say there's too many points but I don't think this is the year to necessarily talk about this because there was 71 goals scored in this year's championship compared to 29 last year um, I was reading which is just you know it's not necessarily the only thing you you might uh, argue for it it's a little bit in you wouldn't do it in Gaelic football because I think teams would just avoid conceding goals at all costs and we'd, we'd head back to a bloody you know a defensive game again and that's not what we want in hurling maybe you want to see the ball in play a little bit more and if a long range point is on that you might try to work it through the lines a little bit and go for a goal I, I, Dalo obviously knows a lot more than me um, about hurling it's just you don't often hear hurling people talking about ways to improve the game. So when I suppose you see, you know, one of the best hurling people in the country suggesting a change, you know, we should definitely be talking about it. No, yeah. I'm wondering if, if that's the Limerick effect at all, because we've been talking a lot about um, so many changes and even this championship structure and all, it keeps coming into debate because of Dublin's dominance in recent years when we talk about football. So I'm wondering now, just because of Limerick and it's only two, but they just look so unbeatable and stuff. Maybe you need changes and, uh, teams need more hope because, like at the end, and if you're down by, if I'm right in thinking, if you're down by eight points, you're still only two scores away from equalising that, you know, which seems a bit crazy. But um, I, I don't know about going forward. Like, yeah, there's no like blanket defences in football and stuff. But it, what he's trying to put forward is that, like, with the four points for a goal, is that there's more to gain, but then there's also more to lose as well. And then you could see the better teams 
really starting to open up and separate um, in these score lines if they start banging in goals for fun because at the end of the day, like the, the better team's going to score the most goals. Uh, is it to give the underdog a chance? Like, what is it he's really trying to, to change, or what's he suggesting? Like, what what what's the what is the the best outcome with this solution? I th- I think that the, what the, the point they were making that you score a goal, right? And I think this happened at the All Ireland final. Shane Kingston scored a goal, and the next puck out went out. Limerick scores scored a point and then Limerick had two points basically within the next minute to almost cancel out that goal points are flying over so fast um, now I think mm-hmm. listen just tell tell hurlers to mark their men and make it harder to score points from everywhere There's, there seems to be loose men all over the field and they're just knocking it over from fierce distances like uh, I don't I don't I don't know to be honest I don't have a huge opinion of it but it's, it's definitely an, uh, an interesting one I'm sure there are people will agree and disagree I think the high scoring is coming because the game has gone very tactical and I think that teams aren't tactically astute. I really do. I think that they're leaving players all over the field. You can score from your own half-back line. Why are you going to leave a man free if he can score? Mark your bloody man, you know? And that transition from dropping off a player and trying to free up a sweeper, I think that I think that they need, uh, they need to improve how to do that and leave less players free all over, free all over the field. Like, I mean, whether the answer is to not fix that problem and try to fix it by increasing the points you know that you get for a goal um, I'm not too sure but definitely interesting uh, to keep your eye keep your eye on that Colin Bonner the new Tipperary manager I think very interesting initial quote an initial quote he was on uh, Sports Saturday or something like that or maybe he was on yesterday um Usually, right, so we all know Colin Bonner's coming in and Tipperary are at a little bit of a stage where, you know, they've had some good underage teams. Liam Sheedy didn't really use those young lads too much. Um, You know, they've got some players who've won an awful lot, but, you know, are into their 30s, have a lot of mileage up. So, obviously, Colin Bonner could come in and say, look, you know, let's take it easy here, everybody. There's a big rebuilding job to do here. You know, we've a lot of young players. We have to mash them all together and don't be expecting miracles straight away. That would be an interview I would take. I would have had predicted, you know, from most managers who are covering their backs. Let's be honest, and he'd bring in loads of young players. But Colin Bonner didn't see that at all. He says, "I don't see it that way. If I get the mix right and get a bounce, this could happen very quickly. That's what I believe, and that's why I'm here. I want to get the best out of these lads, not next year or the year after. I want to get it as quickly as I can. I feel we have the ability in that dressing room to do that. Like, I mean, it's not a. It's 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 fairly you know strong." kind of, you know, quotes for someone who could easily hide behind. Here, wait for year two now, lads. This is a, you know, a slow process. And, you know, no one would probably have blamed him if he, if he did co- have come out with that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like transition phases is another common term that they would <laughs> yeah. throw in. Um, rebuilding and building and all this stuff. They're all just, you know, fancy cliche words. But I mean, like if you're a new manager and you're coming in, like you obviously took that job because you see something there that you believe in and then you believe in yourself as well. That I think I'm the man to do to do something with this team and I can bring them forward. I'm wondering if he's just, if that's sort of how he pitched it to the county board when they're going for the job, you know, that's maybe what he's saying. And he's just being completely transparent and obvious or not and honest and then taking that to the media as well. And, and maybe just, maybe that's the way to go forward. Like just wearing your heart and your sleeve coming out and just saying it. Like we, I believe this is a great group but we can achieve things and your speed is off the essence. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure he'll fully expect fans, you know, to have a, a natural level of uh, patience and things and you know they'll not get the pitchforks out if things don't go well immediately but like to me if I was the fan of that like I'd be I, you know 
inspired by that. Like, I mean, that'd be really positive. I'd be like, all right, I can't wait for next season to see what he's going to do because he obviously sees something that maybe isn't super obvious or he knows something we don't and um, let's get behind him. I, I think it's a great idea it's, and it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it definitely is. Another bit of news here before we move to Jack O'Connor, because obviously that was the big news of the weekend. Jack O'Connor has got the Kerry job. Is Muggsy, Owen Mulligan has gone in, gone in with the Tyrone under-20s. So big movement, um, big appointment for the Tyrone under-20s. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter, I thought I had, I had to laugh at it. He says, what's he coming in as? The entertainment and social manager. <laughs> this could be the first time ever that uh, the players put a drinking ban on the management team. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, uh, listen, Muggsy, um, I remember reading uh, Mulligan's book and he talked about like how hard it was for him in 2013 when he didn't get back into the panel or he didn't get the call from Mickey to join and how he really struggled with his identity because he like, you know, he's seen him. I am a Tyrone player. That's what I am. And that's what I do. Uh, like he really loves, loves Tyrone. He loves playing for his county. Being a footballer was everything to him, is everything to him. Um, and then you look at it even pragmatically, you know, and he's got three All-Irelands, uh, an All-Star, he was mad of the match in that 2005 final. He scored maybe the best goal ever in, in, in uh, Croke Park history. Like, how could he not be invaluable to young players coming through? And yeah. then, like, obviously his reputation, you know, he's a bit of a joker and he's the crack. But maybe that's what they need. You know, if you have a, a really stern manager, he could be that approachable coach where you can go to him with your problems and stuff. And it's it's a nice blend. Um, I, I reckon it's, it's it's a good move for Tyrone. Like, you can't, you can't really go wrong bringing someone with that level of, success into the background team. Yeah, le- kind of legendary status that under 20s would just look at Muggsy and think, oh my God, it's Owen Mulligan. And I do agree with you, you need, the management team needs one of those fellas who's almost, he, he's not like, he's almost acts like a captain in that he's fre- very friendly with the players and, you know, he's on that side, he'll drink with the players. I don't think any manager should really be drinking too much with the players. I think there should be a separation there um, with management teams at inter-county level. Um, obviously, get on well, but there comes a point at 11 o'clock, the manager needs to tip on now and not really you know <laughs> I think there needs to be some uh, kind of respect for the manager that he you know he isn't really in that crack whereas Muggsy could be bringing him back to stories that's kind of uh, he, he's your inside man <laughs> yeah uh, exactly you know he, he's one of the boys um, and I'm hope, I hope I'm not undersalling him at all saying <laughs> any of that because but he does he has that charisma and you know and that flair you've seen it on the football pitch and you've seen it off the football pitch you know that's just the type of person he is and even like his, um, he writes articles and stuff for Paddy Power and all I mean and they're like they're good in analysis and he's always funny with it and he's always really honest as well and he is a winner bottom line you know he won't accept anyone not pulling their weight and uh, not going to training and here he'll know every excuse in the book as well he's, <laughs> he's definitely used them yeah no he definitely will it's one to watch out for I think he'd be very good um, definitely with the forwards anyways right we'll leave it there Lee and we'll come back we'll talk to Darren O'Sullivan about Jack O'Connor's appointment So Jack O'Connor beat off stiff opposition to be reappointed for a third time as Kerry manager. And to chat a little bit about this, Darren O'Sullivan joins us on the line now. How's it going, Darren? All good, Willie. How's it going? All good. All good. So how's this going on down in how's this going down in the kingdom? Has it been received well? I don't to be honest, I'd say it's fifty fifty. Um I think a lot of people see it as a backward step. Um personally I don't, but I'm also aware that I might be a bit biased. Obviously, I had Jack uh, for two stints and one of them he made me captain and we won not Ireland. So I probably am a bit biased. But for me, in the build-up to this, um, I actually genuinely felt that he was the only man to get the job once he picked a very good backroom team with him because, for me, he is a manager. 
Um, he's not going to try and coach the team. He's, I'm hoping now what he'll do is he'll bring in a couple of very good bodies with him and they'll do the coaching and stuff. But for me, he was the only one. And like he's a proven winner. I don't think Kerry can be going down the route of getting a manager and hoping in the next two or three years that they'll win all Ireland. I think like it's um, pushing on eight years now like this season coming. Taking a chance on a fella just it's not good enough. They need to start winning. There's no point being there and thereabouts, and they've underachieved the last couple of years. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt he's a brilliant track record, uh, Darren. Like he's won two All Irelands in his first year in 04 and 09. Well, 09 was when he came back, and he won one in 06 as well. Like obviously, 09 was the year you were you were captain. Like I mean, that's a good while ago. Like the game has changed an awful lot since 2009. Yeah, people keep saying that, but football's still the same. And you look at it most of it when Dublin, when I say when Dublin were at their pomp, it was only a year ago. But what did they do better than everyone else? They got around the field and they made less mistakes. They, their basic skills were just better than everyone else. And under Jack, um, maybe it was basic football, I don't know. But I never once questioned my kicking ability. I never once questioned the pass. If I saw it, I kicked it. And I, that was the same for everyone. So for me, football, like you've all these coaches now. For me, what's a coach? a fellow who throws out 150 cones and brings in this really complicated drill that confuses people or what. Like, football's very simple. It's a simple game. Um, if you can get around the field and your basic skills are better than the opposition, you'll win most games. Yeah. So, like, I mean, what's the 50% that you're saying obviously are happy with it and it's split? What What are the people who aren't happy with it saying? Well, I think, that, like, just through Twitter, I think I put it out and it was a personal opinion. I, I genuinely felt that if they were to get a new manager, Jack was the only one for due to his experience. Um, he would know a lot of these younger lads uh, through his experience with the minors in yeah. the twenties last couple of years. And he is a winner. I don't Jack is a type of character. I don't think he cares if you like him or not. Um and you kind of need that. He he's not gonna beat around the bush. He's gonna be straight. And the one thing he always had in the panels he had, he had a couple of fellas who maybe weren't the greatest footballers in the world. But they made it tough here. And I think that's what Kerry are, are lacking, maybe a couple of personalities, a couple of fellas who aren't beautiful footballers, you know, but they have that rough, rough edge around them. So, look, a lot of people are obviously going to think a backward step is going back in time, I suppose. He's brought Darren Murphy back in with him and they'll say, oh, he was there with him before. He's bringing Mike Quirk in, who was obviously part of a number of uh, Jack's panels that are thinking, oh, it's going back in time. But I suppose... Only if you do go back in time, Kerry were winning back then, so there's no reason why they can't do it again with him. Yeah, there, like I mean, you know as well as I do, there's a bit of a snobbishness down around Kerry. Like I mean, Jack needs some bit of star quality in there. Now we know he was after Donaghy, and Donaghy, I don't think could do it with his uh, commitment to Armagh. He needs the Gooch. He needs he needs someone for Sean O'Shea and David Clifford to look at and go, who's going to tell us how to improve? Is Mike Quirk who let like I don't think like this, but like I, I know Kerry people in Kerry uh, do. Mike Quirk was a sub on, on th- those Kerry teams. You know what I mean? Like I mean, is there that kind of attitude? there who's the bit of star quality that he like I'm looking at the other ticket you know the Seamus Moynihan a, a legend Donny Buckley very very well regarded as a coach um, Darrow Canada a legend you know Stephen Stack as the manager then you've Joe Connor as the physical fitness who's who's won all Ireland with Clare and Limerick and Aidan O'Matney you know the other the other ticket looked looked stronger Darren like would that be fair it definitely looks stronger, but I don't think it was all confirmed. I don't know, is that all leaked? I don't know as well, is the, 
the big yeah. thing here. No, they did. They, they interviewed. They interviewed. I know that. I know the other ticket actually did well, a presentation. I know, I know one name knew he was part of the ticket, but had no conversation. Right. So that's why I have a few doubts about it. But the other thing is, I, I know it's, it's, it's all appealing and stuff like that. But you just don't know how these fellas, like being an inter-county manager now, not that I know, but I've been a player not too long ago. It's all, it's all, it's everything. Like it's, you can't be beaten around the bush. You can't have other commitments. You can't go from not being involved in a county team to all of a sudden being in there. It's, it's full on. For me, the county, if I was picking a county manager at the moment who's done it best over the last number of years, Liam Sheedy stands out to me because of the people he brought in with him. Yeah. You know, bringing in someone like Eamon O'Shea, who was the manager before him, was for me just a masterstroke. He knew he was a great coach. There was no ego. He was bringing in better people around him. And that's what I'm hoping Jack will do. But I do get what you're saying. But Kerry had that last year with Morris. I'm not sure... Like for me, if Morris came into my house now and told me to do something, I'd probably do it. I don't know if the younger fellas have that same respect isn't the word, but I don't know what the word is for it. But I don't know, do they react the same way that maybe your generation, even my generation would to some of the older players. But for me, if I was going into a Kerry dressing room and I had a, a Declan or Sullivan who's involved with the 20s or Gooch or Donny or whoever it is, or Galvin maybe, Telling me to, I I jumped. I go through walls for these boys. I was in dressing rooms with him. Seamus Minan, like Seamus Minan is like the god. Like he was amazing. So maybe Jack has to get on to a few fellas like that because I do get what you're saying. Certain fellas can say something and it won't register. But if it comes from a different voice, somebody with that status, it will obviously hit hit a card. Yeah, he must be very well respected in the Kerry County Board to get that job ahead of that other ticket and ahead of Peter Keane who reapplied and he pretty much only has a half half a backroom team so far like he has nothing nothing confirmed everything's up in the air really with Jack he has Dermot Murphy and Mike Quirk they're the only two that have been confirmed so he pretty much got the job on his own reputation you'd imagine Yeah I think look for me that's what it's, that's what he's getting it on he's getting it on his own reputation Jack is Jack is a football man and for me he, for me he's a winner do you know, it literally comes down to that. I think Jack has guaranteed them. I think he's gone in there and said, you can throw all these fancy teams at you or whatever, but he's a winner. He has his way of doing things. Like I said, he doesn't care if they like him or not. He'll go in. I think he'll get results. I do. And like if someone told me to write down exactly why, it's one of them ones. There are certain fellas who are just built for it. They don't care what people say. Do they like him or not like him? They get results. They don't even, I'd say Jack doesn't even mind if the players don't like him. But they'll get they'll get results, yeah, and that's what he is. And there's nothing there. like he's not the he's not the appointment they all wanted. I suppose we all wanted, um, you know, you wanted Tomas O'Shea stepping in, or Declan Sullivan stepping up from the twenties. And you know, it's the kind of fairy tale the this former star player. But it doesn't it doesn't work like that all the time? And I do think the likes of Declan or Tomas will come in in time, um, but they need an experience at that level being in the dressing room as a selector or whatever first because the, the inter-county game has just gone to a new level. Like it's it's more than just knowing the game of football. It's more than having a couple of the good drills. It's all logistics. It's planning. It's For me, like the manager is probably the least important. It's about getting the right team around you. I think Kerry have missed a trick over the last couple of years by, like I was never into sports psychology or anything like that, but I definitely think in the last couple of years, Kerry, by not getting somebody they're missing out on something because 
they're getting to positions where they should be winning games and they're not. I'm hoping, and Jack was the first fella to bring in sports psychologists with, with Kerry, and this is going back 15 odd years ago, back in a time when we used to laugh at sports psychology and all that stuff. And we, we didn't buy into it. But I do think he'll go down that route again. He'll get the right people in. He's built up enough um, connections through the years to get some very, very good people in with him. Yeah, I still don't buy into it. I was making fun of it here only yeah. last week about <laughs> the stuff written on written I, on uh, the players' wrists. <laughs> I know, I don't buy into that. But genuinely, like, and something like, you know, I was in dress rooms where that book from the All Blacks Legacy was floating around. And geez, you'd be having a team talk. Next thing you'd hear a quote come from one of the boys and it would straight out of the book. But my thing is, like, it is something that you look at. But it's it's, it's not even just uh, the gimmicky stuff. It's small things, I think, in a dressing room, like a selector that isn't stuck to the management team that just walks around and actually talks to the players and can say, oh, geez, Woolley's not himself the last two weeks. He might have something going on outside of football. That's yeah, bothering. that stuff, yeah. That's that's the stuff that I think Kerry will miss. And somebody that's, geez, that Woolley feels comfortable coming up and saying, geez, I'm after struggling with a job or the girlfriend's giving me the boot or whatever it is do you know something small might be small to someone but it, it drags on and then my thing is with football if you're fit and you're happy more often not your form is going to be good do you know everything else after that is easy yeah Caroline Cura do does that with Limerick like I mean she kind of you know you can go to her maybe you don't want the manager to know that you're yeah. you know you're not happy with something or, or whatever that she's kind of a person that you can go and talk to one other person that's name keeps popping up uh, Darren it's a bit of a head scratcher for me is Paddy Talley so apparently the feedback from my information um, from my few sources down in Kerry is that the players wanted wanted better coaching. That was some feedback that they got from players. Now, you know, there, sometimes players get confused with coaching. Like there's the coach that goes out, like you mentioned, and does all the drills and has all the bollards and they'll, you know, they'll make training a little bit interesting and interactive and you like that. And then there's the coach yeah. that says, this is how we're going to play. This is what I want you to do and can individually coach players to be better and collectively coach them into the way they want to play and defend and all these things and you know when when I look at Kerry and they're kind of going down the road of wanting to to, to pretty much stand their men up and, and defend man on man they're not great at it they're not one of the better teams at it Paddy Talley is well known as a defensive coach by bringing back two or three players to help out your six defenders and I'm kind of wondering how he fits in with Kerry because right say he says to Jack O'Connor right I can do that I can I can coach players individually to defend, you know, the six backs and maybe tell the wing back to drop off his man and maybe him cover as a sweeper or do whatever like that. But he's unproven as that. He doesn't have much experience at inter-county level doing that. All his experience is in a defensive plan that I can't can't imagine Jack O'Connor wants to go to that, that, uh, you know, defensive plan that maybe Peter Keane flirted with in his second year. Yeah, like to be honest, I wouldn't know a whole pile about him and anything I've heard hasn't been great no to be honest it's mostly negative it you know, like that it's going down the defensive route but that is the area Kerry need to shore up no to be fair against Tyrone when they got beaten I actually thought their backs did okay for long periods of that game but I think what Jack was probably most impressed with it, with, with Tyrone is their ability for their half forwards and half backs just to interchange like you wouldn't know if a fellow's wing forward or wing back and I think that that's what Jack probably wants to bring that fluidity that if you're wing back one minute, you could be wing forward for the next kick out and that bit of a ebb and flow between the between the two lines. Um, look, I'm not for all that defensive systems. As a forward, you'd know it yourself. The less instructions I got, the better I was. I go up and play the game and that's where it was. But they do have to change what they're doing because it's not working. 
Um, we talk about all the great forwards we have in Kerry. But if you go back last year, we missed how many opportunities did we butcher against Tyrone the year before. We left numerous chances below in Cork and got beaten. So, you know, defensive systems are great, but we need something that's going to make sure the forwards aren't because the two games that stand out, the defeat to Tyrone and the defeat to Cork the year before, it was down to the forwards, not down to the backs, it was down to the forwards. So I can understand him wanting to get a different perspective. Maybe it's a case of he'd know the Tyrone way of playing and the only team Jack doesn't have a great record against is probably Tyrone. So maybe that's kind of um, where he's going. Um, but like the, I don't think, like, it's all about winning. When you're losing, all the excuses come out, we need this, we need that. But like, and I'm, I'm blue, and it's not like I'm old school. I'm definitely not old school. But football hasn't changed that much. Yeah, and maybe it's going. It it, yeah, it's going a, ba- a bit back towards towards. I always thought what one of the Kerry strengths were is their half forward line could all score. So like it was an added, you know, bonus for Kerry, mm. where a lot of other teams, you know, there was a big disconnect between their full forward line and they were carrying a lot of ball. That Kerry would try and leave their half forward line in position a bit and that gave them that little bit of an edge to be able to move it up through the lines and stuff you know so I suppose you, 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 if you start I don't know like I mean this is for Jack it's O'Connor it. to start thinking of but then if Kerry start putting you know half forwards that'll work harder but can't really score are they going back a step or two? Yeah well like I suppose it's a prime example for uh, like if you're fighting a two wing forwards I played with Galvin would be one and Dunica was another they were never going to kick one five or six again, and they do all the the donkey work. They go in the back in the backs. They be linking play. They be getting breaks. They be stuck and everything. They'd always chip in with a couple of points. Yeah, but what they were as well was they were footballers. Like their first instinct was head up. Is there a pass on? It wasn't about running every ball. It was, and that's what I'm going back to with Jack. We used to like I remember going to a different club uh, one time when I was at the bank and doing a training session with him. And your man comes up and he goes, you must do more complicated stuff than this. And I was like, no, literally, this is what we do in training. And he was like, ah, no, you must do more for championship. And I was like, no, it's about getting your basics right, that your first instinct is kicking. It's just about building understanding then with players. And I don't think Kerry have that understanding in the forwards. Um, don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know if a half hour gets it. Is he going to run, run with it? Is he going to go solo across the field? Is he going to kick it? With Jack... As a forward unit, we always had that understanding. Even a case of if I was out the field and went for a, a run in for goal or whatever, you'd be gassed after it. And I wouldn't even have to look up. I'd have one of the boys would be gone out into my position and they just walked into theirs. And it's all about understanding and it's about kicking and knowing where the next fella is going to go. And that it's, it's no coach in the world is going to teach you that. I remember Keen O'Neill. And I got on fine with Keane. I remember him trying to explain to us, if Gooch goes there, you go there, and Declan goes there. And I was like, looking around this, going, this boxy thing going, what is he talking about? You don't have that time to be thinking in a match. You just go on instinct yeah. and understanding. And I think that's what Jack does. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He, he is what he is. Like, But he's not going to try and redefine the wheel. I think everyone's trying to come up with some new, complicated, fancy way of doing it. And I keep going back to football, it's simple. You get around, you get fit, you get to a level of fitness, and then it's about being basic skills. You don't give away the ball, you won't concede. Yeah, don't run into blind alleys. I suppose that's the kind of one lesson well, you, that they come out of the throne game. Yeah, but that's it. Like, and, like that was the thing. Like, it was one of the reasons why I think the current man or the old management team probably didn't get it was because, like, 
water breaks. I don't agree with the water breaks anymore, but they're brilliant for um, finding out what's going wrong and changing your game plan. Kerry never did in that Tyrone game. Kept making the same yeah. mistake. The only thing is, look, they made enough chances in that game to win two games and took the wrong decisions. So um, I think Peter Keane was always going to be under pressure there. Um, as far as I know, he was asked to change his backroom team and he wouldn't, which you'd have to give him credit for. He wanted to stick with the team that he had and he felt that he had a good enough team to bring Kerry into an all back to an All-Ireland final and win it, hopefully, but wasn't to be. Um, but for me, like, obviously, Jack now has Quirky. He has um, Damon Murphy with him. But he needs, as you said, he needs a couple of big, big names with him now just to bring a bit of excitement back. As a player, would would you be too excited going back at the moment? Probably not. Yeah, Jack but has Jack. Ha, yeah, Jack has a bit of star quality. Dearman Murphy wouldn't have star quality, but could be very good in the background. You know, Quirk is unproven. You know, would would you you would probably have better reports from John Sugru in leash than you would from Mike Quirk. You know, Mike Quirk seems to be higher rated John, than John Sugru. Maybe you know he does some po- coaching podcasts, and you know I saw him described as a deep thinker of the game. You know, whereas John Sugru wouldn't be selling himself. You know, in that kind of a way. So maybe he he's able to sell himself that better better than Sukru, but definitely Sukru would be higher thought of um, in leash after managing them than maybe Mike Quirk. It's a, it's definitely an interesting one. You mentioned mentioned Paul Galvin, Aidan O'Matney. The big change in two thousand and four. Obviously, Darren was Aidan O'Matney and Paul Galvin come in, combative players, brilliant players. Like, is there, is are there are there some hard as nails type players in Kerry football that haven't been tried yet like I mean are, are they there and you, you know because we know Kerry are a great footballing team and you, you mentioned maybe they need that little bit of steel and they need a centre back badly Yeah look I think we're, we're, we're lacking in a few areas but my thing is always you're never going to replace like for like you don't Paul's gone a long time now you're not going to replace a Paul Galvin with somebody who's very similar but they have to go back to that for me look, I don't know where Paul is based in Dublin or Mayo at the moment, but he's the type of fella who, if I was Jack, I'd be trying to get in because Paul had all the skills in the world. Paul could be your playmaker. Yeah. yeah. But he sacrificed that part of his game because he knew there was other fellas who could do that, but they couldn't do what he could do. Um, I don't know, are fellas doing that? Are they, they all want to play their own game. I think everybody now, you'd see it at club level as well, everyone wants to keep three or four points from play. Nobody wants to be the one scrapping around the floor, getting the breaks and just passing it off to a, a different player and leaving him get the, the limelight. A lot of it is you just have to sacrifice. And and that that's exactly what Jack did then. Like he brought in Aidan Amani who, who was spiky. He brought in Galvin who was spiky. And they complemented the, the the more, I suppose, flair players around them. They sacrificed parts of their game because they knew their role in the team was valuable. Um, so that'll be the big thing for Jack. There's plenty of flares around the county. My big thing is find a couple of defenders who aren't very good footballers. Find a couple of defenders oh, who literally get a nosebleed when they get past the halfway line. <laughs> Do you know that they don't want to go forward. They want to, like Tom Sullivan there from Matt Moore, one of the best cornerbacks ever. I, I don't know how many, you probably count the amount of scores he got on one hand in, in all the years he played for Kerry. Mark O'Shea was one of the best defenders in the country and developed the attacking side after he had the man nailed down. Um, at the moment, I feel like 
fellas have been picked because they're they're very good footballers. They're brilliant going forward. But you you need if your job if you're a defender if you're one of the fellas from number two to number seven, your first job is to to be a defender, be a pest, be a nightmare, be standing on a fella's toes and smiling at him at the same time. You go into train there and you can name them all out. They'd be banging off you, standing on your toes, hopping off you, but they'd be smiling away at you. Saying, you're going, what's, what's, what's this fella's game here? And that's only in training. I don't think we have them type of fellas anymore. So maybe you have to go away from the the lovely footballer and the, the great footballer and go with the fellas who are, just want to be there to nullify their man, take their man out of the game and make be a pest. Be yeah. a nuisance. Yeah, just love defending. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the kind of. So, like, I mean, what? Just to, to finish up, Darren. Like, I mean, he needs an All Ireland in his first year. Like, there, there's 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 talk of two years and stuff, but he he needs to win the All Ireland now, right? Because, like, I mean, the, I, I, that's tr- that's true, and I think that's why he got the job. I think if you like that, you had that. I suppose you call it a dream team, Stephen Stack, had, but there was pressure on that, and I just think with Jack, like. You know what you're going to get with Jack. There's, like, you can name out all these former players that you don't know what they're like as coaches. And like you said about all the podcasts and whatever, they, anyone can talk a good game. Do you know, we could, you could always, you could be a great writer and be writing for a paper. You could have the podcast and be talking about this. It's a different kettle of fish when you're coaching fellas and you need them to trust you and buy into what you say. And look, obviously, I think getting this, um, the star name in that players with list is important, but it's about getting the fellas there who are tuned into it that aren't just throwing out the cliches and yeah. can see it, can see the game. That sometimes it's not all about the beautiful game. It's not all about doing things that I suppose like that the sport just want to see. Sometimes it's about, and at the moment for me, for Kerry, it's just about winning. It doesn't matter how ugly it is, it's about winning. Because we've been saying oh, every year it's all, Dublin favourites Kerry are the next best and all this stuff but Kerry haven't been the next best for quite a while do you know it's been Mayo now it's been Tyrone I think probably where Peter Keane probably fell down was I think he overachieved in his first year and expectation obviously went up and they didn't they didn't perform after that so for me it is a case of Jack I don't know what he got maybe two years but I think they'll be expecting All-Ireland in the first year yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Keep your eye out for that. Darren, thanks very much for taking the call. Cheers, Willie. Yeah, great stuff from Darren there. It's interesting to see how that'll go, um, Lee. Like, I mean, half a backroom team. For me, the other ticket looks stronger, much stronger. Moynihan, Stack as the manager. Stack has a lot of experience managing um, a club. You have Moynihan, you have Darrell Kennedy, you have Donny Buckley, who's a big, big one. You have Joe Connor doing the physical fitness and there was talk of Aidan O'Matney doing the, the strength and conditioning. For me, on paper, that looks like a stronger, a stronger ticket than the Jack O'Connor one. And it's interesting that Darren has said, like, it's not a universally kind of, you know, um, approved appointment, which probably isn't the best start. It's a weird one. He's won three bloody All-Irelands with them. Yeah, it is a strange one, all right. Um, see, the thing is, people don't have a lot of patience for someone you've already lost patience with, you know, and obviously he's left the position before because um, there was maybe a lack of belief. Uh, it was in 2012. Yeah. But um, I don't know, I, like, I think... Like, I, I honestly always believed that Jack O'Connor was going to get this job. As soon as Kerry announced that statement, um, I retweeted it and, and said why the statement was wrong because they didn't even thank Peter Keane and stuff and it was very weird. Um, but they said Jack O'Connor will be in um, for for the job because just that whole thing of him going on to the podcast, uh, talking about, you know, always wanting to be a Kerry manager. 
and the allure will always be there. And this is all while he's still the Kildare manager. Um, and then like a week later, he leaves. And then two weeks after that, Peter Keane, or they say they're going to be looking for a new manager. And I don't know, it, it all just smelled of like Jack knew something we didn't know. Um, and I think uh, Darren was right. You know, it was all about like, if he could come in with a strong enough backroom team, then he was always going to be the favourite. And he's obviously convinced them that, that he's got just that. Yeah, it was the Examiner podcast he was talking on um, when he said that. That was the morning after Tomas O'Shea had his say on Peter Keane and Peter Keane kind of was out of the mix. Listen, all the drama's over now anyway. He has the job. It'll be interesting to see who he gets in. And as we know, like patience is very, very thin uh, down in Kerry. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on like 12 years after winning his last All-Ireland. So listen, we'll leave it there, Lee. That's all we've time for. We'll be back on Thursday. Um, as usual and we'll look ahead to the weekend's club action and any other news that's going on so we'll talk to you all then good luck but this little dink ball the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest why do you not do many interviews oh really yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole pile really yeah have you ever rang me and they're roaring at me I coffee you free state bastard <laughs> and next thing I hear you have no fucking jurisdiction up here <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.